0: Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, if you've been around the church for any length of time, then you may have heard the great Christianese sayings of, I have a total peace about this decision, or I don't really have a peace about this decision. And as Christians, we believe that God extends peace towards his people, but we also know from scripture that God calls us uh, towards taking steps of faith, whether or not we really feel at peace about it at all. So, how does peace play into our decision-making? Should it play into our decision-making? Well, in this conversation today, Pastor Nate's gonna help us sift through these questions and more. So, without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. scale of a one to ten how uh how at peace are you right now oh man
1: after this deep breath yeah i'm gonna go 7.9 that's
0: great yeah i'm pretty
1: at peace man
0: we're it's a wednesday in the middle of the week you're getting ready to teach on sunday you got stuff going on this week
1: yeah true yeah now now
0: my it's going down (laughs) the anxiety is going up (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I love it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Today we're talking about Pastor Nate's article um, all about peace. This is called One Way Having a Peace About It Can Mislead You. And if you've been keeping up with the the feed on on the podcast, on the podcast channel, um, you've seen that Nate has actually read through this whole article. So if you are interested in getting this conversation and listening to the article and reading it, Then you're in luck because all those things are coming your way. But today we're talking about the article. So Nate, I thought we could just jump right in and look at this Bible verse that you kind of sprung from. Sure. This is from Psalm 129 uh, verse 3 and uh, I thought you just kind of led us into a little bit of what's happening in this Psalm. What was happening here that kind of led you to actually write this article about Mm. peace?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually just personally right now really excited about this psalm. I taught it mm-hmm. a couple of years ago to um, our church as we went through the Psalms of Ascents, uh, Psalm mm-hmm. one twenty through Psalm one thirty four. Uh, but I've been in the process of reconsidering the psalm lately, partly because I wrote this piece after something I read in my quiet time, but uh, also because. I want to teach this whole psalm in its entirety at a pastor's conference that I'm going to be oh, cool. at in um, a month or so. And, you know, part of the reason I love it is because of the honesty of the difficulty of the pilgrim life. That's who these people were that were singing yeah. these psalms, of a sense. You know, they had made a decision that they were going to be the kind of people who would prioritize an annual pilgrimage to the holy city. More than likely Jerusalem, but if it was prior to Jerusalem, then wherever the tabernacle was at at right. that time, in order to sacrifice and worship God and um, you know confess sins to the Lord, but also eat those meals mm. with God, so to speak, and to really praise the Lord, sing to God, and and mm. and dedicate the first fruits of their lives, you know, depending on the feast that they were going to, so they'd made a decision; they were different kinds of people. You know, they Um, were, I mean, the the desire of God was that every Israelite would be that kind of person. But unfortunately, that wasn't always the case. And there were plenty of times throughout their history where uh, it was rare for a person to go to the house of the Lord. And so what the singers declare is that there's this enemy and they have afflicted me from my youth, but they've not prevailed. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made mm-hmm. long their furrows. It's in an agrarian culture and society. Actually, you know, recently I was thinking, I've said before, like what when I'm teaching the Bible, you know, like say like the parable of the sower or whatever, yeah, I've, yeah. I've said like, you know, I didn't grow up in an agrarian society, you know, like I don't know much about farming, but recently I've been reading a bunch of Steinbeck right? and I've realized I totally grew up in an agrarian society. We grow so much food around here. Like, I just don't in our work yet. with it myself. Yeah. I go to the grocery store like everybody else. But, you know, in that society, th- what they were thinking of was all right, you got the plower, they're plowing. And the psalmist says, you know, man, these enemies. It's like they've stuck their plow. They've they've dug a mm. furrow in my back, right, you know. Yeah. And so there's just like a real honesty about the difficulty and the pain mm. that is sometimes attached to following God and yeah, making right. he, making sure that He's the priority mm-hmm. uh, of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Um, you kind of mentioned it already, but this is all about these people ascending the mountain to go worship god and you talk about in the article how there is this, like this kind of element of pain and getting to a, like a new destination yeah. like a place of worship maybe or even fruitfulness i think you just talked for a minute a minute about that what what is it about pain that actually leads to some kind of like beautiful movement of sure. god or moment of glory sure. or something
1: so just because it hurts doesn't mean that it's from the Lord, you right, know, true. and yeah. just because it's painful doesn't mean that it's godly, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to remember that, you know, that God has given us in his creation, great and beautiful and delightful things yeah. mm-hmm. for us to enjoy. I think it was the a guy named, I think it was Simon Stylites, who mm. was famous or infamous, depending on your perspective. I think as a monk for wanting to be so separate from the world that he Mm. lived on top of a, of a big post, you know, he basically was trying to separate himself from any pleasure because all pleasure was seen as evil, you know, in his sight. And as Christians, we reject that view because God created the heavens and the earth. Right. So when you, you know, for instance, taste something wonderful or experience delight in another human being, you know, or laugh Mm -hmm. at something that just strikes you as funny or to take it a step further when you see, you know, just a cool like downtown district that is well put together that you just enjoy Mm -hmm. that space or, you know, you go to a coffee shop that has just been so wonderfully shaped and Mm. formed and you're just able to sit and just really feel like you're just able to be there, you know, like (laughs) all of those are great things. Mm. You know, that's part of what God has designed human beings to do, to subdue the earth, to occupy, to, you know, form and shape and build and all of that. So there are certain things that are just good that, It's fine, you know, so we shouldn't think that anything pleasurable or delightful is somehow uh, an ungodly, you know, kind of thing. But nor, uh, kind of the premise of my little piece here was just because we don't have a piece about doing something, that doesn't always mean that we shouldn't head in that direction, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, obviously the big example of this is the cross of christ itself Mm -hmm. the most beautiful wonderful redemptive act in all of human history cost jesus deeply you know there was great pain that was involved for him to do what he did and when he sends us out into the world there are going to be things that just hurt for us to obey i was listening to a woman the other day recounting her experience along with her husband going through multiple failed adoption Mm. processes before finally being joined together with the child. And yeah, there was a beautiful ending at the conclusion, but it was years of difficulty. And all of those pains were brought into their lives by decisions that they made. Nobody was forcing them, nobody made them. It was a prompting that they had from God As they looked into his word and saw him telling us to care for orphans and widows, they felt that their personal application of that, that the Spirit was leading them to pursue these different avenues for adoption, international, uh, through foster. And as they went through that, there were some pretty bad experiences. It hurt. And I think when Mm -hmm. we go through those things, it's only natural that we then ask, did I do the wrong thing, yeah. Like, this absolutely. hurts so bad. Did I do the wrong thing? But that's just not always the case, mm-hmm. you know. There are beautiful things that God has asked us to do that are bound to be painful in mm-hmm. nature,
0: yeah. That man, I kind of got wrapped up in that for a second and got to get back to my notes. <laughs> that's a good word, that's my right whole there, goal. My whole I know, goal man. I was like just... locked in for a second, I was like, oh, oh, he's done now. Oh, man, now, that's a really beautiful example i'd love to kind of sit on that for a moment in the article you talk about um the error in saying i don't have a piece about this decision so i'm not going to go for it um maybe let's talk for a minute a minute about why it would be a like how would that lead to a bad decision just like kind of pulling out of something because you don't have a piece about it
1: yeah so the way i said it in the piece was simply if what you mean by that Mm -hmm. is i won't have peace if right. I do this thing, then that is not a trustworthy mechanism for mm-hmm. discerning God's desire for your life. Will there be times that the Holy Spirit gives you a lack of peace about a particular decision? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that that's totally the case. There's this classic time in the life of Paul where he's trying to discern like where to go next, Yeah, and he goes as far east as you could go without crossing, I think it's the Aegean Sea and, and heading mm-hmm. into Europe. He tried to go north, he tried to go south, he tries to go west, and he has this phrase, or, or Luke has this phrase, he says, the spirit would not permit us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really say how the spirit forbade them from going in these various directions. It may have been sickness, it may have been opposition, And it also may have been just an inward witness in their perhaps collective hearts Mm -hmm. as a team, or perhaps Paul's heart individually that, look, that's not what we're supposed to do. I have no peace about it. But in that kind of instance, what you have are these people that are dead set on living a sacrificial life. Right. You know, they've already (laughs) made that commitment. They've already left their homes. Mm -hmm. They've already decided, this is what we're going to build our lives upon. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take up our cross and follow after our Lord. And so when someone like that comes to a place of saying, I don't have peace about it, it's a little more of a trustworthy mechanism because Mm -hmm. it feels like, well, you're already prone to doing the hard things. So this is just a hard thing that you're saying... I just, there's some kind of check mm. that I have in my spirit about it. And the, the the story for Paul concluded with him having a vision of a man from Macedonia across the water right. uh, that he then saying, come and help us. And so he crossed the water. It was kind of the spirit's way of saying, I don't want you to go in any of those other directions because I have a new thing for you. That mm. also might help us in the way that we think about it, that just because you don't have a piece in a certain direction doesn't mean that there isn't something else that might also mm-hmm. be difficult might also be hard you know to enter into but my thing was just I I feel it myself yeah. the temptation to and I've definitely encountered plenty of believers who have said I don't have a piece about it but but it almost feels like code for I think that's going to hurt you know, I, yeah. I think that decision is going to stress me, hurt me, stretch me, be uncomfortable mm-hmm. for me. Therefore, I don't have peace about it. And it's like, of course you don't. <laughs> like, it's, it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to hurt. Like, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't wait to have peace about oh, going to the on. cross. It was I a know. terrible thing that was weighing down upon his heart. He oh. knew that it would be difficult. So if we're waiting for that, then that's what I mean. Like that's not a trustworthy mechanism for deciding what you should and shouldn't
0: do in life. Mm, That's so good. That kind of speaks to me about just having a vision for your life too. If you kind of know the direction or kind of a goal that you have, then when the pain kind of comes, you can be like, well, the Lord's calling me to do this particular thing, to stretch myself for this particular ministry, to take this like, family step of faith or whatever it might be. So true. Yeah. And you can kind of work through the the pain a little bit and have peace in it because of that. Let's kind of wrap this up, Nate, with you just um, maybe speaking to somebody who's a little restless right now, somebody who doesn't feel the peace, but they're going through a situation that they maybe can't necessarily escape from. They have to kind of work through it. I'm just kind of thinking through that story that you wrote at the end of the article about that mother who is, you know, mothering her young child who is disobedient and she didn't have a piece about that child's future a bit, what would you just say to that person who's wrestling? Like how how should they keep moving forward mm-hmm. in that, even when there's not peace?
1: Yeah. I was recently thinking about First Corinthians fifteen, fifty eight, where Paul after talking about our future glorification and resurrection, that mm-hmm. it's coming, you know, like Jesus Rose, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. Therefore, we will all be resurrected. I was thinking of, at, the, at the end of that, Paul concludes by saying, Therefore, be steadfast, be immovable, mm. yeah. always abounding in the work of the Lord considering that your labor is not in vain mm-hmm. and just how like comforting it is when you're when you're like that mom yeah. and your kid is just being a kid <laughs> but you think they're being a totally defunct human being right like their failure to thrive there you are you're 13 years old you have not made it and you're thinking all those things to remember like as I'm faithful, as I'm doing the work of the Lord, there is this great resurrection. It's going to happen. This will not be done in vain. I'm going to be steadfast, Mm -hmm. immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord because this is not in vain. So I think for one, I would just encourage you, like all that pain, all that hurt, all that stuff that you're going through for the Lord uh, or in obedience to Him or fearing that you'll go through in obedience to Him It's all worth it, it's all worth it. The Psalm itself, it's interesting, Psalm 129, it closes with, I guess you categorize it as an imprecatory prayer. It's where the singers are asking for some terrible things to happen Mm, to the people that have been hurting them. But they do it in a very, metaphorical kind of way. Because what they wish is that these accusers and persecutors would be like the grass that grew on the top of the roofs of the homes in Israel. And the idea there seems to be let them feel how shallow Hmm. that life is. So, I guess a, an encouragement that I would also give is just, man, when we follow the Lord and we go through difficulty, pain, heartache, loneliness, you know, with Him, and sometimes even because we've said yes mm-hmm. to Him and something yeah. He's asked us to do, it's good to step back and instead of throwing ourselves a little pity party, to remember this is the deepest, most wonderful mm-hmm. kind of life you could possibly live it's good stuff it's good stuff i go through that sometimes as a pastor you know where we'll go through a tough stretch you know you're feeling the spiritual warfare perhaps you're feeling the you know calendar crunch coming down upon you you're feeling the personal limitations so you're feeling alone you know whatever it might be or sometimes all of those things combined Mm -hmm. and there is this temptation like oh throw yourself a little pity party, you know? But to remember, actually, this life that I said yes to, that I opted into, because he didn't make me do it. He called me to it, but he didn't make me do it. This life that I opted into, it's the deepest, it's the best, you know, it's the best. And, And to just remind yourself of that, like as you're walking through those things with the Lord, this is the best kind of life I could, possibly live, would you really want to do anything else?
0: If you'd like any more content from Pastor Nate, you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com and if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for pastor Nate's new book called let us hear it's coming out soon and you can pre-order it today online thanks again for joining us today in this conversation and until next time god bless you